Hello and welcome to episode 37 of the Gamers Without Borders podcast, a podcast about video games, technology, and anything else we can think of. Now, I am Nick, and joining me this week, I would say guest, but he's been on so frequently in the last few weeks, he's now part of the furniture. I'm joined by Judge Greg. Hey there, Nick. Thanks for having me once again. Yeah, no, I, I'm. It's they've honor is mine, genuinely. Oh well, thank you. Any any time. Uh, how are you, Rick? I'm I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm uh, we're 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 getting a lot of stuff happening right now. I got to do Christmas preparations and gifts and whatnot. Ooh. And and I there's a new baby that's ready to show up just about any day now that I oh, have to be course, mentally prepared yes. for. Yeah, so that's. Mm. Yeah, so it's a busy, stressful, unknown time for me right now. I can imagine so, and and I'd not to make things worse, but if the closer your uh, next child is born to Christmas, you're going to have the whole thing of, they're going to want two sets of presents. Yeah, yeah, I know. I didn't I didn't want to do it that way, honestly, but yeah. uh, I, I just, we did the math wrong, is yeah. all that was, yeah. Yeah, not, not ideal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, I, I'm starting to get in the Christmas mood. I've, my work has finally tailed off for the year, so I can actually be excited about Christmas, as opposed to being a grumbly old man. Yep. Well, just slightly <laughs> a grumpy old all. man at the the. Yeah. <laughs> How old are you? Uh, nineteen. Nineteen. Yeah. Grumpy old man at nineteen. Yeah, but anyone who knows <laughs> me knows that I'm like a fifty-year-old man on the inside. Yeah, that's fair. It's fair. You, you, it's, you're never too old to get grouchy and grizzled. Yeah. It gets to the point of I normally get on with a lot of my friends' parents than I do with my friends. Yeah. But that's just me. But yeah, um, you've been playing any games or anything? So, uh, it's I first of all, i got to say, I uh, so Black Friday was a couple of weeks ago, and I wasn't mm-hmm. on your show to talk about it. And nope. I figured the next time I'd be on in you know a week or so, I'd tell you... <laughs> So uh, I went. I I bought so many games on Black Friday. I I just got stupid. For mm. a man who's about to have an infant living in his house, I was yeah. I was very overzealous with the number of games I thought I could purchase and then play in the coming year. Yeah. But uh, but the my last minute decision because I, I mean I got Doom because Doom was pretty cheap and I got uh, Recore for uh, the Xbox okay. One. Yeah. Uh, and some uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider. I finally picked that guy up because that Yay. was. Yeah, because that was pretty low in cost and mm. a few here or there. But uh, I also, I finally, uh, I, I went back and forth on this a lot. Uh, I got No Man's Sky. Ooh. Yeah. I've yeah. not played it yet because it, it takes like a week and a half to download to the, ah, to the yeah. hard drive of the PlayStation. But, mm. yeah, I, uh, I, it's one of those games I wanted to try. Yeah. But once all the feedback came back, I thought there is no chance I'm paying full price for this game. Yeah. What did you out of interest, what did you pay for it? Uh thirty five American. Okay, so that's about listeners, that'll be about what? Twenty, twenty five British pounds. So yeah, yeah. you put, probably you did pretty well there. Whereas I bought yeah. I bought it at launch for probably in the region that, of about that 60, was a mistake. 60, yeah. yeah. I yeah. I probably got it then for the region of about sixty American dollars. So <laughs> Yep. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, when we when Greg's finished, I will I will tiptoe around it, but I've done a bit of a complete 180 when it comes to No Man's Sky. <laughs> yeah, I am. I am really looking forward to hearing that. But yeah, so I bought that. In terms of playing, I've been playing through Dishonored. Mm-hmm. Um, slow and steady. I'm going. I I was originally I was trying to do this no kill, uh, pure stealth, never be yeah. seen run, mm. and that was taking too long and becoming frustrating. 
Yeah, I can imagine. So I've decided I will continue to try my no-kill run, but I no longer care if I'm seen. Ah, yeah, I think that's a good good way to do it. You can kind of do it in stages. Yeah, so and... it was it was just, it was becoming so much stress on me because somebody would see me and, you know, you could escape from them and get out of that situation in the game, but then I'd be like, all right, stop, reload. Yeah. And you sit through the loading screen so many times and you start, like, obsessively saving. Mm-hmm. And it like it's, it's it wasn't fun anymore. But the game is good in that if you get seen, if you're detected, you can get yourself out of that situation yeah. fairly easily, and kind of reset things. And mm-hmm. as as computer AI is is want to do in these situations, they just presume, huh? I guess the assassin's gone. Let's just go back to the routine yeah. again. Yeah. Even though I saw him five seconds ago, I can't see him now. He must be gone. And then they just wander yeah. off. Yeah. I mean, that- it's it's. It's it's not as bad as some of those games. Um, yeah, I I've seen some games where like you walk up to a guard, you slash him in the face with a sword, you run around the corner, and then you give out a duck call, and he goes, "Huh, must have been an animal." Like, yeah, r- really, the animal slashed you in the face with a sword? You just saw mm. a, a grown assassin do that. Yeah, but I think that's that's always I think the best sort of compromise for stealth is that you should be able to fight your way out. Because like, yeah. and that's kind of why I keep going back and forth about uh, getting into the new Hitman game. Because oh, yeah. that does have a system of yeah, you can fight your way out, but it, it's so clearly designed to be done properly stealthily, and it's just I think it's amazing because I've I've watched quite a lot of footage and playthroughs on YouTube and stuff, and they and there could probably be like fifteen, twenty different approaches to one level, and it's like that freedom is really interesting to me it, but it's just yeah. with it being so stealth focused i kind of think would i get so frustrated that i think oh, i've spent all this money on a new game and i just i don't I, like it's frustrating me too much which is something i'll actually return to on a bit later on in relation to something else but yeah, yeah. i i always go back when i think of who did stealth the best and uh the arkham series i think is one of my favorites mm. because they're they're pretty forgiving in terms of of the stealth like you you're not it's not as bad as like Metal Gear Solid would do, where yeah. you need like the cones of sight or else you're screwed. Yeah. And if you get spotted, like in Metal Gear Solid and in Metal Gear Solid 2 and all that, if you get spotted, you basically have to run and hide somewhere mm. and hope they get tired of looking for you. Yeah. Whereas in in Batman, if you get spotted, you just zip around a little bit. You make them lose you, and then they don't—they don't go back to being relaxed. They—they they will, and I like that. They get a little edgier now, yeah, because they know you're in the room. Mm. Well, yeah, I think things like that are just testament to how much better AI has got. Yeah, but it's—that's uh, it, what—that's my pinnacle, and this one's somewhere in between. But it's a little closer to the Batman level, and if I get spotted, I don't feel like I've completely ruined my run. Yeah. And and since I'm going for a no kill, I mean, I, you could do all sorts of stuff to get no kill and and make it through. And yeah, that's I I like doing that whenever a game presents me the no kill option because it's just like it's an extra level of fun and challenge to the game. Mm. You know, because I have no kill runs on uh a lo- any of the Metal Gear ones where they let me do a no kill run. I did a no kill run. Wow. Yeah. Uh, was really hard in three because my first run through three, I didn't even bother with stealth. I just would slit the throat of any person who happened to see me. That was mm. figured. That's how big boss rolls. But uh, yeah. Uh, so that's anyway. That's been fun, and I'm I I want to get ready for Dishonored too because I imagine yeah 
I'll probably pick up Dishonored 2, although uh, given the amount of games I just bought, I think it'll probably be next year before I probably, pick up yeah. Dishonored 2, but mm. wanted to get wanted to get that done. Uh, and I also, I because I needed another game to play, I have to thank your podcast is about the only reason why I've caught up with this game, but Telltale's Batman, episode 4 I just played. Oh, good, good. Yeah, and I only played episode two or three because of the other time I was on your podcast. So this is this is good. If, nice if it wasn't if it wasn't for Gamers Without Borders, I'd still be on episode one of Telltale's Batman. I firmly believe that. I'm getting that printed on a shirt. <laughs> that would be a very specific shirt that nobody would understand. But yeah, but, but, but I would I would it. give you mad respect for it. I would. Yeah. <laughs> no, so I played through it, Telltale's Batman. Um. That that's hasn't been getting the universal praise that most of Telltale stuff gets. Yeah. And I mean for the I I can I can see the criticism is valid. The story mm. is not as strong or on point as a lot yeah. of their other stories have been. Mm. And I I wonder if it's that fundamental thing of like the Arkham games have very much they kind of very much nailed Batman and like its combat system and stuff it was it was copied everywhere and it's like so I don't know if people have cut, are finding it difficult to associate Batman and it being more story focused, which obviously the Telltale games are. And I wonder if. Yeah, I think I, I definitely think that's a huge factor in it. Yeah, and and a part of the issue with that is that when you have a Telltale game where you play as, and I've only ever played as the Walking Dead ones, and yeah. you know, strong bad cool games for or what strong bad cool games for attractive people. I think was the actual full title of that. Mm. And I played the Back to the Future one. Okay, that, oh, that, that's the uh, much earlier stuff. Yeah, so I, I, I much earlier stuff. Then there was an air gap, and then I started in with The Walking Dead, and now I'm playing Batman. And I, I mean, I like Telltale. I like the games they do. It's just I didn't mm. really play a whole awful lot of them in the in between time there. But what I've really noticed for the Batman one is that, as opposed to when I play as uh, Lee or Clementine in The Walking Dead. I don't really agonize over the decisions the same way I would because this is just an established character. I'm in his shoes. Yes. But, you know, it's one of those, what would Batman do? Well, I mean, I know what Batman would do. He would do the Batman thing, which is this. Mm. And I, I, I don't really I don't really get that same sense of, have I really affected things? And, yeah. and plus, I've now had a significant amount of time in, in the, the Telltale's story-driven era of your decisions affect the game to know, no, they don't. Yeah, that's that's the kind of recurring problem with story, decision-based games, that they don't, because... Yeah. I mean, Telltale, I mean, Telltale was especially guilty of this. Like, in um, yeah. minor, minor-ish spoilers, and no given names, but you would have an instance in Telltale where you would say, do you choose to save this character or not? And if you choose to save that character, they're just going to die some other way that you have no influence over later. Ah, uh, yeah. You know, so it's not like you save that character so they're going to make it through to the end. Like, you save that character so they'll make it through to maybe the beginning of the next episode, and then they're going to, you know... Yeah. At the end of the day, the people that are going to live, live, and the people that are going to die, die, and everyone ends up in the same boat. So, mm. you didn't really affect things all that much. Yeah. That's, yeah, it, it's, it's difficult. I've never been... I've never been. I've never tried to tell the game properly, and I've ne never been that hugely engaged with properly sort of narrative story games, with the exception of Life is Strange. And it's something I kind of I do want to explore. But then I know, and I know this sounds bad, but I almost think how much sort of value 
can you get out of a story-driven game? Like a lot of the times, really, once you play through it once, maybe twice, you've got all of the content out of it. Whereas if you, and that's yeah, but that's just me being cynical. Yeah, I think I've I used to be uh, the way you thought about things, and I've I've been there before. And and I'm not I, I don't want to try to play it like because I've matured past you because that's pretentious and I would never suggest that people have different tastes. Yeah, but I I feel like the the story driven game kind of was something that I I developed into as a gamer. Like I as I kept going, I think I preferred more of the games where yeah one or two playthroughs was all it took. I didn't really need to have the recurring and. I didn't need anything bringing me back. I mean, my time for gaming is so limited as it is. Yeah. That if I can see a full narrative in eight hours, I'm not really so worried about, you know, how much replayability it has to it. Yeah. And I, I, to be honest, I'm starting to get to that phase as I have yeah. less free time than I did have a couple of years ago. So I, 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 I do sympathize with you somewhat. Yeah. I mean, because I've, I've been there. I have been the guy who put in some 200 hours in Fallout 3. So, and then, and I even, I, and this is impressive given that my current schedule and lot in life is that I still have a hundred plus hours in Fallout 4. Wow. Now, to some people are listening, they're like, yeah, whatever, I have so many more than that. You probably do, but understanding I had to do that in two hour chunks at a time over the course of several months, you know, that was, yeah. I never really get those marathon sessions like I used to have when I, when I was younger. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's understandable. Yeah. Oh, and then finally, I have uh, I finally kicked off my my third set. I'm going through Firefly. Okay. Uh, the TV show because uh, as as we know, uh, Shepard Book, uh, Ron Glass, yeah. uh, passed away very recently, mm. and I just kind of wanted to take a moment to to look at one of my favorite roles he ever played, and my he's my absolute favorite character from the show. He yeah. he is the reason why I find Serenity to be unpalatable, mm. and I um. Yeah, I just wanted to watch it through again. Uh, I might try to record a podcast on it, but I, I just really wanted to sort of honor the guy, and the only way I knew how and that was to watch Firefly. That's understandable. That's Firefly is one of those shows where I haven't watched it, but I feel something of an obligation to watch it because of the following it has. Like, yeah, because the I mean, thing of oh, it was brilliant, but it was cancelled, etc. Yeah, it was very good. Now, I I remember when the show was originally out. Like a lot of people had never heard of the show till after it was canceled. Yeah. And so I will admit that I was one of those people who had heard of the show while it was still on and had people telling me, you should check out this show that's on Friday night. It's called Firefly. It's like a Western in space. Yeah. And and to my detriment, I said, no, that sounds dumb. Yeah. I'm not, I'm, you know, like I was 20, 21, 22 at the time, and mm-hmm. I I had other things in mind for my Friday night besides watching the, the sci-fi Western show. Understandable, yes. <laughs> Uh, now, had I known what what I know now, in that it was going to be phenomenal, and it was going to be prematurely canceled, because come on, Fox, what are you doing? Um, yep. Stupid Fox always canceling everything. Yeah, yeah, they're always canceling good shows. I just will never understand that. Mm. But yeah, had I known, I would have watched it. But yeah, although I hear the original run was kind of a mess, like everything was out of order. Ah, uh, so yeah. like all the storylines didn't quite mesh up or make sense with each other. And like the pilot aired after the second episode for some reason. Okay. Well, yeah. So I get, it's probably easier to watch it in, in the series. I mean, I, I you have the whole thing on, on DVD and mm. I'm pretty sure it's on Netflix anyway. I'm pretty sure. Oh been, yeah. No, I think it might be. I think I've, I've seen it crop up. Okay. Yeah. I was, 
if it's on Netflix, that's really how I should be watching it because this whole pulling out the DVDs to watch three yeah, or no four one, episodes at a time is kind of weird. But yeah, no one does that these days. Yeah, I know. It's, it's that's how you used to do it, Nick. Back in back, back in, in my day. day. Yes, I know. I know. I'm not was, quite that. I'm not that young. Yeah. I can just about remember video. There we go. Yeah, I mean, it was only it was like what some 15 years ago, and that's what I was doing most of the time, right? Yeah. Not quite 15. Trying to think when the when the the full seasons on DVD started, probably closer to thirteen years ago. Mm. Yeah, I'd never sat around that. Yeah, so wasn't that long ago. But then this whole, and now I think it's so funny when you walk in the store and they have like, oh look, here's Arrow season three, and I'm like laughing like, yeah, that's on Netflix. Yeah, it's mm, it is it is kind of weird. Like yeah, but mm. anyway, so that's been my week. Yeah. So as as for me, um, the top of my list of what I've been up to is quite simply the phrase, I'm done with No Man's Sky. I cannot wait to hear this. um, Now, for Greg's sake, even though there isn't much of a per se story, I I am going to keep things vague, or vaguer than I was originally planning to. But uh, So uh, many of you listeners will know, like, I was one of those people that was willing to see, kind of, not past No Man's Sky's flaws, but I was at least willing to say, well, there's, there's some elements to there. And to basically, to give a bit of background, throughout that game, it kind of, there's kind of two kind of, I don't want to say like quest lines, because like I say, there's not really a story, but they're kind of two things that you can do. And I heard you can either travel to the centre of the universe or do what's called uh, the Atlas Path. They both basically involve the same thing. They just involve kind of travelling from planet to planet and gathering resources. And I had just, I had decided, okay, I'll... I'll just kind of go along, I'll upgrade my ship and stuff, but I'll head to the centre of the universe, that's the long-term goal. And so I kind of neglected the Atlas Path thing. And I got bored one day, so I decided, okay, I'll go back and I'll do the Atlas Path trail. And I did all the things, and I got to the end point, and without spoiling what the last, what kind of the outcome of it is, like, on paper it's quite an interesting idea, and it kind of feeds into the whole mythos of kind of the universe is an ever-existing idea... But the actual... It's so hard to talk about in vague terms. But the actual payoff is poor. And it annoyed me to such a point that I did the thing that I'd avoided for so long because I was just so disappointed that I actually just looked up on YouTube for kind of the final end point. What is at the centre of the universe in No Man's Sky? And again, I won't spoil it, but I sat there and I was just like, oh, I I just... I, I, I felt deceived almost and the worst thing was i within about two minutes managed to come up with a a sort of an ending that would have a more tangible impact and yet still fit in the rigors of what no man's sky sets out so i i really i really think like no man's sky has gone back on my shelf and i really don't see it coming back off unless some of the future updates they bring in really shake it up yeah i would say (laughs) yeah no man's sky was definitely a game that needed an ending yeah and it didn't seem to have one yeah so so would you say nick that no man's sky was a mistake Uh, no because i don't want to get too much into semantics but i would argue a mistake is something you think shouldn't ever have happened and i don't agree with that because from a technical perspective, it's it's an amazing achievement. What's the whole kind of mathematical idea of what's going on behind there, what's being generated? And I know this has been said a million times, but I think 
it was marketed poorly and there mm-hmm. was a lack of transparency in what we were in what we were given i think like i don't want to go down that rabbit hole because it's been gone down a hundred times by us and by numerous other people like it it deserves to exist it deserves to have its place in the history books and obviously hindsight's a wonderful thing but yeah but yeah i i i, I don't want to put you or anyone that's uh, not played it off the game but i can't ignore the fact that what's transpired over the last kind of week or so has really kind of crystallized my view on it yeah i i can i can certainly see that i mean i, I understand i know I know people who really, really wanted this game and were so excited for it, and then got completely turned off once they realized that there, there really, there wasn't another level underneath. You know, there wasn't, mm. there, there weren't layers to it. That, that was it. So I certainly get that. But then, you know, my thought is I will probably approach this game a little differently. Not only because I will have the foundation update from day one. Yeah. And I also I didn't pay sixty dollars for a game expecting a triple A experience. Yes, I that's... paid thirty five dollars expecting sort of a uh, a couple of levels, a few degrees of separation from Minecraft. So yes, which I think something like that is the perfect approach, and it's just yeah, I have only myself to blame basically. I agree. <laughs> of course. <you> do. <laughs> uh, next on my list, um, I finally. I got back into and subsequently finished very quickly uh, Luke Cage, which is the most recent of the uh, Marvel Netflix shows, which, by the way, has recently just been confirmed for a second season. I heard that. I, You know, I still haven't watched Luke Cage. Yeah. And I, I really because... want to. I like the character Luke Cage. I actually like mm. him quite a bit. And he's probably of the, the three characters they've done series on. He's my favorite of the three. Yeah. But well, I, I just keep feeling like I don't have the time to dedicate to it. Yeah. Well, the one thing I found is that I watched the first episode, and then my first impression was like, this feels less superhero-y than the other series, and it, and it's more very much... I think there's a lot more social commentary, because it's very much, it's all... It's set in Harlem, it's about kind of Af- the African-American sort of culture and communities within the United States. So I did kind of go into this thinking, well, I don't have... I don't have a touchstone for this. I don't have... I can't relate to that. But then, like... I kind of got back into it, and it was quite interesting. And like fundamentally, all all the Marvel series follow, at least in their first season, a very I want to say predictable formula, but a formula, and it's not necessarily a bad thing. And I kind of got in it to through that, and that kind of what that's kind of what pulled me through. Mm-hmm. I've I've definitely heard some mixed reviews on it, and some people say that this takes longer to get sort of to find its footing than yes. the other two series. Mm. Like I, I would definitely say, I think. The peak uh, of, of what's come out at the moment, Daredevil Series 1, is definitely the best of what, what's come out, I would say. Absolutely, absolutely, you're correct. Uh, episode 2 of, of Daredevil Series Season 1 was, uh, it was just the pinnacle of all of it. And, it. and you hate to say that it peaked at the second episode. Yeah. But that episode was a masterpiece. Mm. And yeah. it was just, it was so hard to top. I mean, that was the episode where once the credits hit at the very end, I stood in in like this this stunned silence, staring at my TV, and all I could manage to say was, "Holy crap!" Yeah. the one, The one thing I will um I will credit kind of Marvel and Netflix and what they're doing is, I'm obviously everyone knows this is building to the Defender series next year, which is their kind of big crossover series that they're doing, and obviously in each individual series, 
they can't really afford for like budgetary and practical reasons to have the main heroes crossing over like they'll get referenced in conversation but they can't actually appear but they're doing really well about getting a certain characters to act as like bridges mm-hmm. so for example i don't think this is really a spoiler um claire temple from the right. daredevil series crops up in both jessica jones and luke cage mm-hmm. so she because she, she is sort of uniting kind of everyone together at the moment yeah and, and there and was think... there's a there's a couple of guys that that transfer from yes um like they're the daredevil's buddy there in the in the police department in hell's kitchen yeah. he was in jessica jones and then came back yeah. and does he show up again in luke cage uh no i i think he the police are very much present but i think it is different off different officers that are oh. involved yeah, I'm, trying, I'm just trying to think if if anyone else turns up. Uh, like, you don't see her, but... Uh, you know Trish Walker from Jessica Jones? Yes. You Like, her radio show features in Luke Cage a couple of times. Oh, okay. So it's, it's like little stuff like that, just kind of bringing oh. the universe together, as it were. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So, yeah, I like it, and I've obviously... Next up is Iron Fist, which will be the last of the individual series, which should be interesting. I know nothing about that character, so... Yeah, he's a character I like, but again, mm-hmm. Luke Cage is my favorite. I think the, my only real interest in Iron Fist is that he hangs out with Luke Cage all the time in the comic yes. books. Mm. Yeah, the only the, the only thing I will, the only thing I will say is that um, yeah, the way Luke Cage ends, I'm not entirely sure how they're going to resolve it all for the Defenders because the Defenders is going to come out before Luke Cage season two. So while in most cases in a TV show any problems you'd wrap up in the next season, because they're doing this like ensemble show, I don't quite know how they're going to mesh it all together. But I'm sure I'm sure they'll do fine. Uh, yeah, so that's Luke Cage. I would recommend it. I, like I said, I, it's not up there with Daredevil, but I think if you've got enough of an interest in Marvel and you kind of enjoy it, I, th- I think you'll definitely get something out of it. Mike Coulter plays the role very well. Does he? Uh, does he ever say "Sweet Christmas"? Yes, thank Repeatedly. you. Okay, that's I think, all I need. That's... I think one of the bits of trivia for the show on IMDb is like the number of times he says it throughout the series. I think it's like fifty odd. Good, so. good. Any less than that, and I would question uh, since, sincerely yeah. the credibility of the, of the series. But yeah, no, fifty yeah. is about right. Yeah, I think I think it's around that. Anyway, a couple more things. I'll try and rattle through these a bit faster. Um, <laughs> funny enough, I this week. Started listening properly to the uh, Video Game Generations podcast. That's a great felt, podcast. Because I always felt really bad because they've actually they've contributed to the show loads in the past, and it's one of those classic things of they're always on my list of podcasts to listen to. But I don't know about you, Greg. I kind of I work in when podcasts come out into like my weekly routine, and mm-hmm. I kind of had a good routine going, and I was finding it difficult to find time for new podcasts because kind of work has slackened off. Um, I've, I've managed to fi- I've managed to find the time to try them out, and it's quite nice because uh, they release on uh, Wednesday, so I've got quite a good cycle going. Because almost better than Silence releases on a Monday, uh, One Track Gamers normally releases on a Tuesday, and we've got Video Game Generations on a Wednesday, so it works very well. Yeah, but for anyone who doesn't know, it's um it's a video game podcast that is uh, done by Mike and Addy, who are a father daughter mm-hmm. uh, team, and it's quite nice. It's just a very different dynamic. Um, Addie is an absolute joy to listen to. Yes, uh, she yes. is. I think eleven, going on twelve, and she is mm. just, she is super charming, yes. and and she is. I mean, no, no offense, Mike. Yeah, You're, no, I, I like listening to you. You you seem like a really nice guy, but uh, that is Addie's show, and you are there for the ride. Definitely. 
And obviously, the nice thing that sets apart from many podcasts, including this one, is obviously because uh, he, he works with his kids. It's it's all it's all uh, age appropriate. There's no swearing, nothing like that. Mm-hmm. So it is a podcast that you can, um, if if you've got young children and you want to get them interested in video games, that's definitely a podcast for you. So, for example, Mike, if you're listening to this, I, I hope you enjoy this episode. I've already, I've sent you an email and you've replied, so hopefully we'll, we'll get a shout out. Addy, if you're listening to this, stop listening to this. You shouldn't be listening to this. We have an explicit rating on <laughs> iTunes for a reason. I don't know how you found us, but stop listening. Yeah, and and never listen to Hero Talk, Addy. Just you must trust me on this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then the last thing is a minor thing. Many, many, many weeks ago, I think it was back in episode 24 of this show, I mentioned that I backed something on Kickstarter, a stupid little desk toy called the Fidget Cube, mm-hmm. uh, that gained quite a lot of attention on the internet because it started out with a relatively modest goal. I think it was something like, say, $70,000, which I know is a lot, but for Kickstarter it isn't. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of gained traction, and I think they ended up hitting like five and a half million. Holy cow! Yeah, it's yeah, it re- it really caught the public imagination. It sure um, did. Yeah, but no, the funny thing because the reason I bring it up is almost every single time I hear podcasts and admittedly predominantly gaming podcasts mention Kickstarter, the stories seem to go one of two ways. Every so often, it's oh, I backed something and it got, I got exactly what I wanted, but like ninety percent of the time, it's like I backed something and I've just never heard from them again. Mm-hmm. And it was particularly pressing this time because uh, I. I um, I, I, I backed this and it was quite nice we were getting relatively regular updates like every kind of week or so being, the guys being like yeah we've started manufacturing stuff and then the deadline passed about a month ago and we just got all the surveys through where you like you actually put in like your delivery information and sort of what and sort of the specifications you want and then we hadn't really heard anything and I was thinking oh god have I, have I fallen foul to the Kickstarter curse and it's not already going to come through and then just as the doubt was starting to go in my mind I got an email being like from the company being like yeah the orders will ship at uh, the end of next week so fingers crossed it will arrive just before Christmas it's acting as a bit of a Christmas present to myself uh-huh. but I, I'm just yeah I'm just yeah I mean I've I, I'm happy it worked out for you but I yeah. I have never once backed a Kickstarter and I absolutely refuse yeah it's understandable like um, the guys over at uh, almost better than silence. Have a very strong stance on Kickstarter and discuss it uh, very much. And yeah, I, I entirely understand why. Like, I think the one thing that kind of separates Kickstarter a bit is they do have a thing of if a project isn't funded, you will get. Uh, well, no, if if like a project doesn't deliver, you'll get refunded, and money is only taken if the project is funded. Whereas I think other crowdfunding sites like uh, GoFundMe and Indiegogo just take your money regardless from day one so you yeah. don't really have so yeah Kickstarter's not perfect but it is marginally better than some of the other platforms out there yeah I just I, I have some personal philosophical issues with investing my money in something where I don't have any stake in its success yes yeah. now and I, I get the people like they're there are people who use it as almost a glorified pre-ordering service. Like, I want this game, I will give you $20, and then I will get a copy of the game when you're done with it. And yes. that I can that I can understand philosophically, though. But, like, the people who, like, will give $1,000 for yeah. just the producer credit and whatever. Yeah. Like, if, th- if this thing's a success, they're not going to – you're not going to get paid a cut. No. You know, you're, it, you're just it's, – it's investment without return, which just feels like – just this side of charity mm. and if you can't get a financial backer to the point where you need my charity then maybe i shouldn't be 
Yeah. Give, yeah. Now, that's not to say that I think that of every Kickstarter, and I'm, and I'm not going to knock people who do it, but yeah. what I just described is a very personal philosophy on it where if it was good enough for my money, it would have been good enough to be able to hit the stores. Yeah, that's a perfect understandable thing. You do kind of wonder, yeah, why, what's the motivation behind having to make use such a platform? Yeah. But yeah, I'm happy, like, admittedly, in the back of my mind, all the cynical people will go, out there will go, well, it doesn't mean anything until I have the product in my hand, which is perfectly fair. But it is yeah. just, on paper at least, it seems like I've hit upon a, a, a more genuine... Uh, yeah. If they were planning to rip you off, they went to very great lengths to make it look like they're not about to rip yes, you off. Yes, yes. Mm, definitely. But yeah, so I will keep you updated with that. Like I said, if, it, if I'm lucky, depending on how international shipping goes, I might get it like just before Christmas, but I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, we'll move on to gaming news hour. Gaming, pardon me, gaming and film news uh, for this week. So the, kind of the biggest bit of gaming news is that uh, last well, earlier this week... It was PlayStation Experience 2016. Uh, lots and lots of things were revealed. Uh, we're going to touch on a few things in depth, and we will put in the show notes a kind of article that rounds everything up and gives you links to all the stuff that was released. So if you want to look into the stuff we don't discuss, then uh, you're free to do that. So top of the list is, after much, much rumour, The Last of Us Part 2 was announced uh, with a trailer. And um, I know, I think... Greg, uh, you, my, eh, both, both of us are part of that hated group because we haven't played the first one. <laughs> I know. I've, I really, really want to play it. It is installed yeah. on my PS4 right oh, now. Oh, okay, that's that's worse. That that is worse that you actually yeah. have it installed. <laughs> yeah, I have it installed. Like this is, I'm I'm so bad. So I got it for PS3, yeah. and then it, I kind of I ended up hitting the uh, I'll just call it the good idea cutoff date, where ah, yeah. uh, I it was time to to get a PS4. And any of my PS3 games that didn't get played just get shelved, and and they're just a casualty of war at this point. Yeah. And then the the remastered version went on sale for like ridiculously cheap, for like yeah. ten dollars. So I picked that up and I installed mm-hmm. it, and I said, "There it is. I am finally going to play this game that has received all this praise." And yeah. I'm obviously not. I'm playing Batman and Dishonored, so yeah. I don't have a good excuse. I just haven't played it. So it was kind of mm. hard to get, like, excited for part two because it just reminds me that, like, I really, really am behind the eight ball on this one. Like, I am yeah. way behind. But mm. it, it's, in terms of trailers goes, looked cool. Yeah. It, it had it had Joel and Ellie in it. Yeah, which I think surprised quite a few people because I think a lot of people sort of kind of feel that their story was quite a self-contained thing within the first game and kind of it thought if there was going to be a second game it was going to feature new people so i think it has surprised one or two people that they're sticking with those characters but yeah for me it was it was almost like i i saw it and i'm like oh i guess they both live to the end yeah that is that is a problem i, I mean but, um... i i suppose i could have known that already but it was just it was very odd to see like that and and not having yeah. a good judgment on how old they were in the first game, it, this yep. th- Ellie did seem considerably older than than mm-hmm. I kind of remember thinking she was in the first one. Yeah, but it's it's quite funny for me the um the the, the announcement of the second game is kind of spurring me on to get the first game, and I think if I reach a point at any point next year where I'm kind of excuse me in that point where I'm like oh I really need a game to play and I can do with something cheap, Last of Us needs to be top of that list. Because like even at the moment, even physically, like 
just from Amazon, you can get the PS4 remastered version of the first game for about uh, $25, $30, so about, uh, about £20, uh, £20 which these days, that's an absolute steal for what mm. a lot of people say is one of the best games of the last generation. So, yep. yeah, I think that's definitely going to get played by me in, in the near future. Yeah, I see, I got it on the... I've I've gone all digital this generation. Yeah. Because I've just... I, I got really tired of having the stacks and stacks of games sitting on the shelf yeah, and taking up space. <laughs> so I've decided, yeah. just digital. I never go back and play them, so I have no need for that physical copy for posterity. Yeah. So I've I've went digital. Oh, then, but I was able to get it. Like the PlayStation Store had it. Like I said, it was ten dollars American for the PS4 mm. remaster. Yeah, and that's. I mean, that's practically giving it away at that point. Yeah, it kind of annoys me because I, because I, I would love to to switch to digital for much the same reason. But even before I had all the problems with the PlayStation Network that I've spoken about over the last few weeks, I could never get uh, PSN to accept payment details from me because I I think I did explain this on the show, but I found out that apparently. You have to be very careful that all the details you put in match up exactly to the details of like the card or payment method that you're using. Oh, but that's the, right. Yeah, you said prob- this. Yeah, but the problem is because PSN is fundamentally a uh, it's a it's a US system. In the in the kind of form you have to fill out, it makes state or province a required field. But because you don't get that in the UK, it means the two forms don't match up. And um, one minor thing I found out is that actually, if you if you keep trying regist- registering different payment methods, it charges you. Uh, it charged me, I think, 10 pence, which is obviously nothing, but it does charge you if you can't try and like repeatedly add different payment methods to oh, your PSN weird. account. So yeah. even if my PSN was functioning, the only way I could buy things digitally is through buying like gift cards, huh. which is a bit of a, sh- bit of a shame. Yeah, I mean, that's, it, it certainly adds a middleman to it. I've, I've used my PayPal. Yeah. But... uh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, next on the list is something that completely passed me by, and I just saw it by chance, and I cannot believe it passed me by because having found out about it, it's I'm very excited for it. And it is Uncharted Four: The Lost Legacy. Uh, now, this isn't just this isn't this isn't just a random. Well, it's DLC, and it's not DLC in the conventional sense. It's it's actually a story extension. Uh, Naughty Dog have said. It is longer than the story extension left behind. That was uh, the story extension of The Last of Us. So, like, it's not going to be. It's not going to be like another, say, thirty-hour game. It's not going to be another Uncharted Four. But it's not going to be like a one-hour experience. And one of the most interesting things is it's going to feature uh, the characters Chloe, who uh, was a major part of Uncharted Two and kind of appeared in Uncharted Three, but was never. Um, no, like there's a lot of her backstory that could be discussed, and also the character Nadine, who uh, was one of these sort of antagonists in Uncharted Four, and like this isn't just a reskin. Like one of the major things uh, they uh, Naughty Dog were keen to promote, and you can see this in the footage, is that they've completely redesigned the combat system because Chloe fights in a very different way to Nathan Drake. Like Nathan Drake, like a lot of um, a lot of game protagonists, he's quite like Batman. He's quite heavy. And he's quite powerful, so you can kind of tell that in the way he moves. Whereas Chloe's movements are a lot more fluid and a lot more agile. And I genuinely think it's going to be a really interesting uh, uh, thing when it when it does come out. And it is getting a proper separate release; like it's not it's not just an add on. Mm-hmm. So I never played the Uncharted series. Yeah, I no, I, I shouldn't say that. That's not inaccurate. I've I never really played through it. I I played the first game. 
Yeah. And I didn't get very far in it. I just, I didn't like the controls or the feel or sort of the overall what they were going for with the game. Yeah. And and so I just kind of, I put it down. I said, I, I guess, I mean, it was a hugely popular game. So I, I'm not yeah. sitting here saying it's it's terrible. Obviously, it's not a terrible yeah. game. But it just, it really just felt like it wasn't for me. And mm-hmm. I never, I never got tempted to pick them up. Now, I, I have the, because they came with the PlayStation, I have the first three games Oh, the, uh, the, what, the, what, the remake? Uh, yeah, remaster, the, the, the remasters of them that came yeah. with the PS4s. Yeah, PS4. I have them, yeah. so, I mean, I could always go through and play them in, you know, the wanton free time that I have just exactly. lying around all over the place. But Yeah. Yeah, I just feel like I missed the bus on this game. And mm-hmm. as much as people love it and praise it, and I'm sure if I really ever forced myself to, I'd, I'd play it, but I'm now, it's, it's passed me so far by that I just feel like I just got to wait for the next big thing. Mm. Like yeah, like I, I'm not, I'm not going to force you, and like people will know, I will, I will fly the flag for that series any any day of the week. But I think, yeah, I think if you, if you were able to get back into it, I, you wouldn't be disappointed. But I can, I can see why you, why it is a struggle. Like there's kind of a bit of a consensus in the community, and I, I tend to agree that when you actually look back, the first game is very ropey, and like you can really tell in the second and third games how much they tighten up. Even like like obviously like pretty unsurprising things like the combat and things, but just kind of the way the game flows and its sense of scale. So yeah, the first game is far from bad, but it's definitely the low point of the season uh, series. Yep. Uh, so yeah, that's Uncharted Four: Lost Legacy is uh, something I'm excited about. And then uh, lastly, we got to see uh, some footage of uh, what's now uh, been given the title of the Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy. Uh, this is the remasters of the first three uh, Crash Bandicoot games that was announced at E3, but we've now got footage of it, and it's now got a name. We still don't have a set release date. It still just says 2017. Uh, but uh, if if you guys watch the trailer, they do quite a nice thing of um, they brought they brought up the original PS1 gameplay and then uh, sort of transitioned to the PS4 gameplay. And yeah, it, it, it obviously they've they've completely redesigned it, but I don't think they've lost that Crash Bandicoot charm. Yeah, Crash Band it was Crash Bandicoot breaks my heart because there was a character who was I mean, it was ready to be right next to, to Sonic and, and Mario in the Pantheon. Mm. And then Crash Bandicoot just kind of faded into obscurity. Yeah. And and for my money, Crash Team Racing was way better than Mario Kart ever was. Oh god, yeah. I will I will I will say that till my last breath. Yeah, no, that's and, and for anyone who's ever played Crash Team Racing agrees. Yeah. The only people who would not agree with me that I've ever met are people who never played Crash Team Racing and were only Mario Kart purists. But yeah. Crash Team Racing was was the best go-kart racing game that has ever mm. been released. I I played it so many times. It was an everyday thing back when yeah, I was in college. It was like you would you would come home from dinner and then you would sit and you'd play cat Crash Team Racing for a couple of hours and then you'd you know do your homework and stuff. Yeah. That's why I'm I'm hoping so much that if this trilogy is successful, they turn around and go, "Here's a PS4 CTR." I w- like, that would oh boy. I know, I know. I, I was talking talking to some friends about this. That would just make it would make my year if at some point next year they came out with that. Yeah, that's that's like, a must buy. That would be an instantaneous pre order. Like despite <laughs> the fact I've been burned by pre ordering No Man's Sky, Cra- Crash Team Racing would be the exception. It's it's earned a lot of goodwill. Yes, definitely. But yeah, so that's that's fingers crossed, and I think I think I might pick that trilogy up because I 
I had the first game on PS1, but I personally never played it because uh, the PS1 really belonged to my uh, my older siblings. But yeah, I'd be tempted to pick it up and just kind of see what I missed almost. And I know that I think some of the lot, a lot of the complaints of the original games there aren't many, but I think some people say like because it was early 3D platforming, the controls weren't great. So so you kind of hope that they'll have tightened the controls a bit for <laughs> PS4. Yeah, you don't want it to be too faithful of a remastering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got and, you. Yeah, and to be honest, ever since... I know this is a minor spoiler, but most people know about it now. Ever since the Easter egg in Uncharted 4, it has really kind of rekindled my desire to mm-hmm. play Crash Team Racing. Uh, sorry, Crash Team Racing? Crash Bandicoot. Yeah, it's, it's on CGI your head the now. Mind. There it yeah. is. Yeah, oh, it's, it's not going to leave. I've got, all, I can, I've got all the stupid character lines of dialogue going around my head now. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, yes, like I said, um, a lot more was announced at uh, PSX, but uh, you can read that at your leisure, uh, the link we include. Um, So next up, this is something that happened yesterday, I believe. Uh, But uh, Reggie fils uh, uh, Nintendo of America's president, uh, appeared on the Jimmy Fallon show, the the, uh, major US chat show. Mm -hmm. And it appeared on, for the majority of the thing, he was having a bit of a bit, and he was showing off uh, Super Mario Run, the endless runner mobile game that nintendo have uh, recently announced that's coming to iphone in december and it also and that's in their focus and then out of nowhere reggie turns around and says here is a nintendo switch uh, and says to jimmy fallon like would you like would you like to play zelda and this is a significant thing because this is kind of the first time we've seen the switch in the wild actually being played <laughs> by someone outside of nintendo yeah and um yeah, we'll include an article that actually references. If you're interested, it references a lot of discussion that was going on on Reddit, looking at like sort of the technical side of things. But the real reason I wanted to bring this up is that this feels like a very, very conscious departure in terms of marketing and publicity in comparison to the Wii U, because it's yeah. been said a million times the Wii U wasn't really marketed very well. It kind of came out of nowhere, and Nintendo was like, right, and and kind of the gaming press were like. Uh, what is it? Is it a new console? Is it a peripheral? Whereas I oh, think the consumers this... didn't know either, Nick. Yeah, I mean, that was yeah. I. I talked to so many people who thought the Nintendo Wii was just a tablet you bought for your Wii. Mm. Whereas I think this time round, I think they appear at least to be making a much more conscious effort to say, "Here it is. Here's how it works." And I think what's also quite telling is they've got this event uh, going on in January, which will be like it's kind of proper, proper kind of reveal and they'll kind of explain it but i think what's key there is that this is a it's an entirely separate event it's all switch focused it's by nintendo this isn't just something they're tacking onto like an e3 where it could get lost among all the other announcements this is a very focused very specific thing i think they're very aware they need to get across to people what this console is how it works if they want it to sell Mm -hmm. so i i wish them all the best like I think sometimes a lot of people say, oh, Nintendo just do the same thing over again, they don't learn. Whereas I think this kind of suggests that they are they have learned a bit from their mistakes. Yeah. That, now, that yeah. being said, I'll I'll agree they've learned something when I go to buy one in the store and the shelves are actually stocked with one. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Shots fired. Shots fired, indeed. Oh, dear. Also, also one last thing that made me smile is that the internet's been flipping out over... Um, because uh, in the audience of Jimmy Fallon's show was uh, Shigeru Miyamoto, and the internet's been flipping out because he was wearing a T-shirt over what uh, showed Mario in like a samurai-style costume, and people are starting to theorise if that's a hint at the next Mario game. But who knows? That's I mean that 
I'm I love conspiracy theories as much as the next yeah. guy, but that might be pushing it a little bit. Yeah. But um, so yeah, that's a good thing. Like I said, um, we'll include a link that kind of explains goes into the more technical stuff, and it also includes a video to the actual kind of the segment on the Jimmy Fallon show if you want to in, uh, watch it. Um, this next uh, piece of news is quite a strange one. Uh, the first trailer was released uh, for the new film The Mummy, which is in not related. I, I believe to the old Brendan Fraser mummy films. Yeah, uh, which which are new... classics, by the way. Those are yeah, they're not necessarily they're not quote unquote great, but <laughs> they're kind of those things that they're good because they're bad. They're the classic Sunday afternoon falling asleep on the sofa kind of film. I I, I have a great deal of love for the uh, for the Brendan Fraser mummy films. Yes, uh, and I I get their the acting is a little questionable at times, and Brendan Fraser yeah. is. Brendan Fraser, but uh, mm. I what can I say? I, I I like the guy. I like the movies. Um, yes. Emotep was was fun to see coming back mm. in again, and yeah, I've, yeah I've, this... I've seen I've seen the first movie more times than I'm I'm comfortable oh, admitting. Yes. Yeah. Oh, this, yeah, me too. But yeah, this mummy film uh, will star Tom Cruise. It seems to be a bit kind of uh, it's yeah. yeah that in itself is a problem, but it seems a bit darker. Uh, the mummy this time is female. Uh, is played by the actress. I can't remember her actual name, but she is the actress. She was in the most recent Star Trek film. Uh, she was in Kingsman. Yeah, I've I can't think of her name right off the top yeah. of my head. Julia no. something. Uh, yes, I Julia I wasn't something. a big fan of, of of what I saw of her in Star Trek. I haven't seen the third Star Trek film because I just the whole Star Trek reboot just kind of it's like fingernails on the chalkboard for me. And yeah. I did not see Kingsman, but uh, I mean, I've, in terms I've... of in terms of looking like uh, a mummy. She does. She reminds me too much of of Enchantress from Suicide Squad. Mm. You kind of get in the whole like wavy, supernatural, old style yeah. creature. Yeah, so I, I just kind of get. I want to say, Kara uh, Levine is who played Enchantress. Yeah, Enchantress. Yeah. Yeah, and and I just I really get that vibe from her. And well, I think that works in a Suicide Squad movie. I don't know if I really want to see that in in a, a remake of the classic Mummy film. Yeah. And mm. I'm not, and I'm, I, I think the actors probably could do a decent job with it. It's just that yeah, I think yeah. the the direction they've taken the character, they yeah. they haven't really given her an awful lot to work with, and the the way she was designed as a character was very derivative of something that's already out there, and that's that's yes. not going to bode well for the movie. Mm. But kind of the major reason I wanted to bring this up is that they've also hinted that this film is going to be the start of a big expanded universe by uh, Universal Studios of monster films. So these haven't been... There's no release dates or official confirmation of these, but there's plans of a Jekyll and Hyde film uh, starring... I can't remember who it was. Uh, also an Invisible Man film uh, that may... That, uh, apparently Johnny Depp is perhaps in the running for. But the reason this, the reason that caught my eye is that... Greg, have you ever heard of that film, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? Yes, as a matter of fact, I have, starring That's Sean a classic Connery. Case, <laughs> Sean Connery. It's a classic case of, it, that is a film that is universally basically panned. But yes. I quite like it because I I like uh, literature and I like a lot of the, the literary characters in it. Like For those who don't know, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is, is a weird film where it's a load of 
different literary characters coming together to fight. So it's it's Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. It's mm. Captain Nemo from Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. Mm-hmm. It's Dorian Gray. It's a vampire. It's it's a ridiculous. And Sean Connery is like a expert marksman. It's a ridiculous film. And I yeah. just kind of think, oh my god, is this expanded universe going to culminate in basically the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? <laughs> yeah. Uh, from my my overall take of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen was that for people who were fans of the original Alan Moore comic book. Uh, mm. It was not at all faithful to that, and they did not like it at all. But as mm. its own thing, if you just kind of—I mean, because these characters—they're not—they're not all just out of the comic book. These are characters from classic literature, so you know who yeah. they are already. So yeah. if you if you come into it without the baggage of the comic book, I think you'll enjoy it a lot more. And it's yeah. hard to not enjoy Peter Wilson and Sean Connery. It's just—I mm. do yeah. think the twist with the villain is a bit stupid. <laughs> Yes. Like, it in no... It, it, without spoil... Well, I don't think people would care if we did spoil it. It's quite an old film, but <laughs> it in no way sets it up, and then it kind of feels like they were picking literary characters out of a hat, and they just picked that particular one, and they're just like, right, no, we'll do that. Yeah. No, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. Now, this whole this yeah. whole expanded monster universe, when I first heard of it, it really kind of brought me back to Van Helsing. Okay. I'm, I can't say I got into those, but yeah. Yeah, and well... Uh, the the not the uh the the series the um the movie with Hugh Jackman. Okay, yeah. And uh, and that movie was not good. And I remember they were really playing it up as we're bringing all the classic universe monsters back to to be a part of this with with him. And so there's going to be you know there's Frankenstein and there's Dracula and there's yeah. the Wolfman and Jekyll and Hyde. And then mm. you saw it how they played it off and it was not executed well. So what, you can't come back and say, we're going to build all these characters up again, because the last time they tried, I know they failed. Yeah, and funnily enough, I'm yeah. literally, as we speak, looking at a picture of Hugh Jackman as Van Helsing, because there was a link off that article about The Mummy about, yeah, there is a Van Helsing, f- new Van Helsing film rumoured as well as part of this oh, universe. no, 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 no. So who knows? All right. Let's just, oh, God, let's, it, might, let's... it might have, yeah. What? No, don't say Hugh Jackman. No, but no, possibly better or worse, depending on your views. It may also have Dwayne Johnson in it as the Wolfman. Let's go on to the next piece of news. Nick. Yes, let's. <laughs> um, so, uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming, the upcoming Spider-Man film, significant because this will be the first solo Spider-Man film that's going to be working in conjunction with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Has had its first trailer, and I'm quite excited about it. Not least because it's going to have a lot more Tony Stark slash Iron Man than I think a lot of us thought. Yes, it is. I, I'm, I'm almost a little disappointed because, I mean, it, I, I like that it's in the universe now, but it's almost, yeah. I really hope that Iron Man doesn't sort of take over Spider-Man's movie from him. Yeah, that's the main thing, because when it was first announced that Robert Downey was going to be in it, I was thinking, okay, we might get like maybe a post credit scene or like a, maybe a five-minute thing. Whereas it seems like he's going to be in a fair bit of the movie. Like, admittedly, I know how trailers are cut together, that they'll show you the best bits, but he seemed to be present more often than I expected. Yeah, he was... I mean, I'm I'm okay with, like, a couple of bits, like, at the beginning and maybe at the end, but when when you see the scene where, like, he's flying as Iron Man in the armor with with Spider-Man swinging, I... I, Let Spider-Man do his thing, man. Just back off, Tony. Yeah, I have a horrible sense that the fine it's 
during like the final fight with the villain, which by the way is Vulture, played by Michael Keaton, who ironically played Birdman. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I get a I get a horrible sense that like there's going to be a point where if this is true, you all owe me money. Where like Spider Man's going to be like sort of down and out fighting the villain and out of nowhere Stark will come in and save the day and it's like it's not Iron Man 4 like it's yeah yeah no I I, I just I, I want Spider-Man to do his own thing I don't want to have to keep seeing like yes. Avengers show up for him yeah like, yeah. a lot of people moan that these days kind of all the solo Marvel films are just trailers for the next Avengers film which yeah. is not not untrue <laughs> yeah it's, but, it's not <laughs> it's 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 not too far from what they are. Yeah, but I'm I'm curious to see how Tom Holland, the new actor, does, because mm. obviously, like um, Tony Tobey Maguire was the first two Spider-Man films are pretty pretty well liked, and it's just kind of the third one that goes downhill. And I don't think there's much love for Andrew Garfield. None at all. His, nope. His two films did very well. I've only seen the first one sort of in passing. So yeah, I, I best of luck to Tom Holland. Really, mm-hmm. there was there was one other thing I wanted to talk about in that. And I can't remember what it was. Um, nope, it's gone out of my head. It doesn't. I don't think it was anything important. Uh, so next up, uh, recently, kind of in, I believe it was this week or last week, the Last Guardian finally came out. Uh, for those who don't know, this uh, is a game developed by the studios Ico or, or Eco that are known that were known for the game on PlayStation Two, uh, Shadow of the Colossus, which has gained like a massive cult following yes. and the whole thing of the last guardian is this is something that's been in development for like 10 years mm-hmm. and, it, and it kind of almost it became a bit of a half-life three of like oh the day <laughs> the last guardian comes out da, 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 da. but um unfortunately uh consensus among reviews is the game is good but the performance on the ps4 uh, in terms of frame rate and things like that is is struggling to the point where people are kind of saying this has almost become a PS4 Pro exclusive game because it'll only really run properly on a PS4 Pro. Pro. Mm-hmm. And even then, if you actually read into it, it won't run very well on a PS4 Pro if you have it set to 4K. You have to turn it down to 1080p for it to run at, it, at its best. Yeah. So it's just a bit its a bit of a shame. Like I personally have no connection to the, <laughs> the series or the company, but I bring it up because I know a lot of people do care about it, and it is a bit of a shame... Yeah. that has happened although like and while i'm no games developer i do get the sense that i imagine this situation came about because what probably happened is they were probably working on this game all through the playstation 3 console generation but we're probably thinking oh we've got a pretty good game here and then one day their boss comes through the door and goes right here's the playstation 4 development kits we're changing console and the poor developers and coders just going oh god we've got to change everything for this new console so yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I I couldn't say what the story was, obviously, but I was my. Now, I I'm not one of these. I loved uh, Shadow of the Colossus, and I I hear people like Eco or Ico. I I honestly yeah. don't know which one it is. I yeah, I don't either. But I was not one of those people who was just waiting for the Last Guardian. It was one of those games. Yeah. It was it was on my radar. I was like, mm, you know, when it when it came out, I'd like to see how people thought. You know, if it was as good as Shadow, I would probably give it a try. But I was cer- yeah. I was certainly not one of those people who had to get it and just had to play it. But yeah. this news just breaks my heart for those people because yeah, no, exactly. And it, I mean, this is a black eye for Sony because if you remember when when they they decided Sony and Microsoft together somehow both decided so no collusion there that they were going to do these iterative releases yeah, of the consoles. 
the big mm-hmm. selling point, the thing that both of them were trying to drive home is you do not have to get rid of your old console. We are not making that obsolete. Everything will still work for the old yes. console. And then something like this happens, and it's very hard not to just point at, at Sony and say, all right, so are you just full of crap or what? Like, Yeah, it's, it, 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 it is a problem. Yeah, I mean, that's that's huge. That is, you know, that's mm. you, basically a lot of people who just paid $250, $300, $350 for a console are now being told, you should have bought this other console. Yeah. And, 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 oh, yeah, nobody and, wants and to do way, that. Yeah. yeah. And also, if you want this console to work at this fullest, you're going to need a brand new TV yeah. as well. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's, yeah. So like, the, the buy-in is actually much, much higher. And a lot right. of people have, have, have also raised the problem of uh, PSVR does not support 4K <laughs> in, 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 any, in any way. And apparently, if you have it connected up to a PS4 Pro, you have to fiddle around with a load of settings uh-huh. to, tell, to tell the PS4 Pro to output and stuff in the correct way for PSVR to function. Like, I've heard from people that have it. It's a real pain. Oh, so, well done, Sony, then. Sony, you... You basically already you won the generation almost before it started, and yeah. you just you're just letting it go because mm. Xbox continues to produce things that actually make the experience better, and now yes. you guys are doing this. And yeah, I mean it's you know I guess I'm. It sounded like Sony knew what they were doing with the PS4 and the, all those pre-announcements. It sounds like they're finally they got it. They learned the lesson of the PS3. And now this, yeah. and you're like, well, you didn't learn any lessons at all. Mm. But yeah, so as I said, like, like as we were saying, a bit of a shame for those people that are invested in it, and hopefully, perhaps it'll get patched and become a bit more stable. So we'll, I'll keep keep an eye on that and see how things develop. Uh, now, this last bit of news has kind of it's one of the few bits of gaming news that actually gets picked up by like uh, mainstream uh, media outlets, like yeah. uh, the BBC picks it up, and so basically, the uh, infamously famous uh, YouTuber PewDiePie. Announced um, that he was he was intending to um, shut down um, at the time. He said his his YouTube channel because he was arguing that his his subscribers had fallen through the floor because um, YouTube had changed its algorithm. So what was happening is people were being unsubscribed without their knowledge, or the way the algorithms were working is they weren't displaying his videos to people that were subscribed to him. I think it was saying and- that they weren't suggesting his videos. Yes. Because they would only suggest videos that were popular and had a lot of views. So whenever he mm. put out a new video, since it didn't have a lot of views because it was a new video, it wasn't showing up in his suggested. Yeah. And so he was getting significantly fewer hits on it. Yeah, and the interesting thing is I personally don't watch his content, but a few of the bigger YouTubers that I do watch have actually put out very similar videos being like, I'm able to track the analytics and I'm seeing a big fall off in the views I'm getting and people saying they've been unsubscribed. And yeah, basically he said this and he was like, if my subscriptions drop to 50 million, he will uh, shut down his channel. Uh, Google responded by saying they hadn't actually changed their algorithms in any way. Um, I, I'm not very inclined to believe that given that there seems to be hard facts from numerous uh, high profile YouTubers that they are seeing discrepancies. Um, however, he, he kind of, he kind of, kind of, reneged on his deal a bit because he just deleted one of like a, a secondary account of his rather yeah. than his main his main account although we all should have seen that coming because the amount of money <laughs> he gets like i think it was published recently because he is the highest paid youtuber and he earns like it might be like 10 million dollars i think i think it's it's, it's, it's more easy. than 10 million yeah 
it's yeah it's it's utterly ludicrous yeah he is not walking away from that money even to prove a point yeah definitely yeah, yeah that is the sacrifice your principles kind of money that he's making right there so there was no yeah. chance but yeah the it was very frustrating that... to hear the whole i mean the, the idea that you could suddenly lose subscribers that's a big thing um yeah. and then the idea that he couldn't also get his videos out there because of the algorithm so i mean there are clearly problems with youtube and yes. if we talked about that for the next two hours, we still wouldn't quite cover all the ground that other people have covered on it. Yes. But this whole cry for attention thing that he did, it, it didn't really put him in a positive light either, because most everybody was like probably like you and I and thought, there's no way he's going to cancel this. He's going to find some way to weasel out of this. Yeah. And he did. He <laughs> sure enough, he did. And now he thinks he's adorable, and the rest of us are just continually annoyed. I, I know he's super popular. I get that. Yeah, we're not disputing that. He is not my cup of tea. I, Normal. I have tried watching him play stuff, and it was just, it was, I couldn't do it. It just didn't really, didn't mesh well with me. It didn't really click. Yeah. But I, I, it was very hard to see this and see his reaction to it and see how he made this promise and then kind of. Some and then he ends up erasing some secondary account, which also somehow had a, a million subscribers. So explain that one to me. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. But I just I was so confused by what he was trying to gain out of it, other than apparently to get some notoriety. Because uh, there's no other way this week I would have ever talked about PewDiePie or cared about Same, anything yeah. he did. So I don't know. Maybe the joke's on yeah. me. Yeah, it's only well done to him. You got you he got himself he got himself into some podcasts. So yeah, well done yeah. to him. But yeah, so that kind of um that kind of covers the news for this week um we do have a topic i don't want to spend particularly too much time on it because we have been going for quite a while and i think our community questions for this week because we finally have some are going to take a bit of time <laughs> yeah. but we'll, we'll run through this topic uh briefly so uh greg i don't know if you want to take this as it was your suggestion yeah so i as we were talking about pewdiepie and it made me start to think because it almost like pewdiepie does a lot of let's plays and i don't know if he does many live streams now but we're sort of we're at this cusp i believe in in the in the online video game video industry where we're almost like we're transferring from the people who like to do the let's plays into more yeah. live streaming. And, mm. and it was just made me think like, so where, where do we stand in terms of you and I, like in term, which do we prefer? Do we like the let's plays? Do we like live streams? What are your advantages, disadvantages? What draws you to them? You know? Mm. Well, it's interesting. Cause just to start it off, like I have, I have a couple of times. Uh, I, I have I have live streamed. I, I I did a full live stream of um, Life is Strange. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not very good. You can watch it if you want to, <laughs> but it is it is genuinely like ten hours long because it is just a live stream. And and the major advantage for kind of a small uh, time person like me who just wants to get some content out there is obviously live streaming. Yeah, uh, there's no editing involved. You don't have to have video editing skills. Mm-hmm. You're not you're not you're not messing about like with sort of the presentation side of things, whereas a Let's Play takes a lot more time and effort, but then it's a difficult thing because then fundamentally Let's Plays have more polish to them. Yeah. Although there are some live streamers out there who like pull out the green screen and the yeah. the specialized... Because we have a... So we have a guy over at Enthusiax.com who does the overwhelming like 99.999% of our Let's Plays and live streams. Mm-hmm. And... uh. Yeah, it may it may actually be a hundred percent. I'm trying to think if anyone else has ever done anything like that. I think maybe our Twitch channel's been used by somebody else more than once. But yeah, and we we've used YouTube for it, and 
I, I mean, he does a lot of extra work and, and polish to it. And it really, for a guy like me, who you think like, hey, I have associations with this website. And I'm, I'm the managing editor over there. Maybe I could pop on and play something. And I even look at just live streaming. And I think I can't even do that the way he does. Yeah. You know, it, it, it just really felt like there was a huge burden to doing both. But I think it really just comes down to the experience you want to have. And the problem that I always have with live streaming is that if you're a big live streamer and you're one of those people that has like 50 people in chat, you're either yeah. completely ignoring the chat just for the sake of your live stream, in which case, what's the point? Or yeah. you're spending the entire stream interacting with all these randos in the chat saying the dumbest. I mean, a smaller streamer is great. Because I get yeah. to interact with the person. Mm, definitely. But I don't know. It's I just feel like, especially for me, as somebody who creates content myself, even I feel like I'm sort of frozen out of, of this whole world. And it, I don't know. I just I don't it's not something I could ever do. And I'm really kind of curious as to w what you think in terms of what do you prefer mm. to, to watch and do with the Let's Plays it's, of the live stream? Uh, it, it, it is very difficult because, um, for example, like. If it wasn't for the fact that my PSN is basically broken, I I had a really, I had what would have been a really fun idea for doing uh, some live streams. That it's not an original thing, but um, if uh, when if I eventually over Christmas was going to get the latest Formula One game, my plan was I, that I would just live stream just me doing some races like a career mode, and um, I have I, I don't want to sound too immodest, but I have enough of an interest in Formula 1 and its workings that like I could give good commentary and things so like I think that would be a good situation because it, it would it mean that like I wouldn't necessarily need the audience interaction if I if there weren't if there weren't people if there weren't people on there and I could just play and I could have fun and you could hear me giving silly commentary but like so that would be something in an ideal world I'd love to do if it weren't for technical problems because like looking back on my Life is Strange live streams what I'd envisioned is me playing the game. This was not my first time playing through, and kind of ha having that interaction with mm -hmm. with the uh, with the people watching and saying like, "Oh, what decision should I make for X choice?" And just, but unfortunately, on a practical level, I just didn't get people interacting. I just, I'm, I'm not well known enough. I don't have, I don't have an audience. Yeah. So that's why, if I if I could ever live stream some F1 games, I'd find that really fun because because yeah, it's it's a, it's something I'm very enthusiastic about, and I, and I think it that would be reflected. But yeah, so yeah, I think I like the. It's a cop out to say they have both good points and bad points, but they fundamentally. Well, do. it's true. I mean, a let's player. The, the 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 advantage of let's playing is like you can basically create the experience you want to have, and yes. no matter how many people watch it, they're all going to yeah. have that experience that you've created for them. Mm. Whereas in a live stream, you really don't have control over that experience at all. Yeah, it's like I've I've watched it a few times through, but I was rewatching recently. Uh, a series uh, of uh, Minecraft in hardcore mode uh, done by a group of quite uh, big uh, YouTubers. I can't remember which one. And that's just that's I find that really amusing, and that and that's the quite nice thing of that's just just by chance because it's it's they're all a bit old now. It just means they're in there's just a YouTube playlist and you can watch, and you could binge watch all the episodes back to back. Mm -hmm. And it's almost quite funny because I think they're planning to do a new season of it uh, this year or next year. And it'll be the first time for me watching through where I actually have to wait week for week for episodes, where I've got so used to with that series just being able to fly through it all. But yeah, so I like I like them both. Um, yeah, I mean, I I certainly I like the let's plays in that 
if I just kind of want to, at my own leisure, watch somebody play through a game that I maybe don't actually want to have to play through myself, it's yes. a lot easier knowing that somebody that that, uh, that I know um, has played through this game and I can watch their experience and I don't necessarily have to wait for them to get around to playing it on a live stream or to be live yeah. and doing it. Um, yeah. Yeah, and so it's, I've I've come to prefer the Let's Plays. Uh, the live streams, mm. they're only fun if it's a small group and it's a game I really like, but it's... Yeah. You know, and there are people who I love watching on their live streams, but you know, you know, I yeah. got I got to be in the mood for it, and, I, and that has to be I have to be in the mood for it at the same time they're online, or else we just don't connect. Yeah, the the one small complaint I have about let's plays, and it's it's it, it sounds silly, but I do have that classic moment of watching, of when you're watching someone else, you obviously can't interact. So it's like yeah. when they make mistakes, and like if you know the answer, you could be screaming at the screen, being like, "Oh, you've missed the NPC that you need to talk to." And that can get frustrating because you don't have that control. Right. But yeah. whereas, like some people, some people play live streams, like you say, where they're basically controlled by the comments. Like, look at Twitch plays Pokemon. Uh-huh. That, that was oh. that that yeah. in the most like in most intense way possible. So yeah, but yeah, yeah. And I I, I don't think you're wrong. That I think we are trying. We are seeing a bit of a shift mm-hmm. in in kind of how we see it. Like I remember by chance watching quite an interesting video that was about kind of the history of let's plays and in their earliest forms what they actually were were basically text walk walkthroughs dispersed with pictures and then kind of in the mid 2000s when youtube was first starting people started to use video and then we kind of we got to the position we are now yeah and there yeah there's a lot of advantages like i said we have a guy who does basically all of it for our site and he is a phenomenal in terms of and both sides of, of the coin uh, and it's very it's advantageous for us to have a guy like that because I, i'm not going to be that guy you know yeah so but it's it's extremely difficult to have somebody who's good at both quite frankly and you know you get a lot of people live stream and they almost they shouldn't you know mm. yeah you have to be the right sort of person yeah like you have to you have to be because even though you're not interacting with people face to face, you have to be like a sociable kind yeah. of. Yeah. Oh, have you ever like, seen a yeah. live stream where like the person just didn't interact or read the chat, and so yeah, it's, yeah, you're yeah. basically watching somebody play the game, and and she had a green screen set up, so like her face was like imposed over the screen, but yeah. she didn't ever look at chat or interact with anybody, and and so I'm just awkwardly watching this person play the game. And I just think mm. if, now you don't have to interact with people. You don't, but why put your face out there? Like, yeah. Wh- what now? I'm just distracted because I'm 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 not even watching Overwatch anymore. I'm just waiting to see if you're ever gonna talk to the chat. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. But yes, that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I don't think there's much more needs to be said about that. And I'd I'd quite like to hop into the community questions yep. for this week. Yeah. I think I uh, think we 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 did that one good enough. Yes, and we we may well return to it at, at another date. And like, if I have if I ever find a good kind of series of let's plays or live streams, I'll be sure to get uh, let you guys know. Uh, but the first one comes from John of the One Track Gamers, and um, uh, I think we should give a nice bit of background to this. Um, me and Greg were talking about this before the show. Yep. Um, so on uh, the One Track Gamers podcast, they occasionally play a game that they call Dreamcast, uh, where they take a video game and they. Uh, they try and decide if that game was to be made in a film, who would play which roles. And now, with all due respect to those guys, their their film knowledge isn't fantastic. So you quite often find this, the same kind of five or so names being floated around. 
And this was made ever so more apparent uh, when they recently had their 100, uh, 100th episode special, which was a great episode. It was a really funny two hours, which was done live over stream. And uh, Greg was actually present in that. And the gulf between Greg's extensive film knowledge and the OneTrack Gamers team's less than extensive knowledge was quite telling. So, um, and I'm not to pat myself on the back, but uh, I mean, I, I, I kind of play Dreamcast all the time in certain ways because I watch yeah. I watch a ton of movies, and I'm I'm yeah. always kind of playing those games in the back of my head. If this character played them, they could also play this person, and yeah, and and to be fair. Uh, the uh, the one track gamers crew was slightly inebriated. Yep, yeah, definitely. But when you have when yeah. you have me who's on point against an inebriated one track gamers who have on occasion struggled to come up with actors' names. Uh, yep. I it did. I I felt like I dominated a little a little more yeah. than I originally intended to. Mm. Whereas I, I yeah I I would say I'm a bit close to you. Whereas my the breadth of films I've watched isn't necessarily so wide, but yeah. I spend so much of my time in IMDb trivia sections mm-hmm. that I've just got so much useless information rattling around in my right. head. But anyway, to get onto John's actual question, uh, he suggests play reverse Dreamcast, uh, choose a movie and turn it into a video game, but name who makes it and what type of games. Uh, so then me and Greg were kind of, through ourselves, suggesting a whole raft of films that we could make into yeah. games. A major one I thought of, and this was the first thing that came into my mind, is that because uh, a major film this year was Captain America Civil, Captain America Civil War, mm-hmm. and the game equivalent of that is basically Overwatch, yeah, or a similar <laughs> or a similar sort of team based shooter, yeah. So that's that's already one done. Yeah, I know there was as as I was going through the list of movies we came up with, I thought like you know some of these are already movies like Pirates of the Caribbean. Congratulations, Assassin's Creed for Black Flag. You yeah. you win. Yeah, and like The Martian, congratulations, No Man's Sky. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. No Man's Sky, but you can't actually leave the planet. Yeah. I think, funny enough, you suggested Terminator. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking the close. I know the point of this question was to kind of invent games from scratch, but I think a lot of the times, like, yeah. games are so bored. Like, I would argue Deus Ex is quite close to Terminator. It, I, it's it's there. See, my, now my thought was more along the lines of not really, like, present day with the Terminator back in time. But sort of like, if I wanted to make a game set in the post-apocalyptic future of like the uh, the battleground, okay. So and, like 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 in the beginning of uh, three, I think it is. Yeah, I think it's three. Yeah, I, I, whenever they show, just, yeah, just not Terminator Salvation. We don't talk about that. <sighs> we do not. Oh, no, nope, that's, that's erase it from our minds. All right. So if yeah. I if I had to choose for that one, I would almost say Resurrect Westworld. Okay. And and come up with like a command and conquer Terminator style edition where like you get to play and control the human movement and the resistance uh yeah. against because I've seen the first person shooter phase gone for this game and and I don't necessarily think that's the way to go and I was I was almost thinking like a rock star like create this whole living world and let me play mm. as as the human resistance but I think for Terminator I need real time strategy Yes. So I, I would say Westwood Studios uh, in uh, a Command and Conquer style game. Mm, definitely. Um, yeah. And then we don't have to stick to this list, but unsurprisingly, next on the list, you put Frozen. And my first thought was like a reskin of Splatoon, but instead of using ink, you're using like snow and ice and stuff. <laughs> 
but that was as far as that was as far as my brain got really yeah like i know so like i know there was i think yeah. it was one of the epic mickey games that was all like painting and stuff. yeah the epic mickey game was all painting and stuff yeah I was like, yeah, you could do an ice version of that. I don't know if you had any better, had any better ideas, given your in-depth... Well, so, you know, I was thinking Gritty Reboot. Okay. I, so, I oh, okay. So I'm thinking get Rocksteady to do it. Yeah, no, I'm talking, like, you play as Rocksteady, and basically you play as the Ice Queen, and you are trying oh, to, yeah. to forcibly remove the evil Prince Hans from the kingdom of Arendelle. And so yeah. you get you get the powers and you, and you're yeah that's that's what I was I was looking to get like I wanted to be oh. like you are the princess or you are Queen Elsa and it is time to clean out Arendelle and and make sure that it's safe for your people again give me the powers and let me play that's what I want I've got an image of just Elsa doing a Assassin's Creed leap of faith into a pile of snow in this game. <laughs> And it just and it just making that that same telltale whistling noise as you fall. Yeah. Oh yeah. I just have that. <laughs> yeah. No. Oh. I I think I think that would be. I would play that game. Would you play that game? Mm. Yeah. As long as it didn't have Let It Go in it, I would play it. <laughs> I think it would just be playing constantly in the background. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> be like some terrible version of Parappa Rapper. <laughs> yep. Oh, which also got a PS4 uh, remastered by the yeah, way. Yeah, sure did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, next on the list, you have Elf, which I'm going to get crucified for saying this. I haven't seen. Oh, everyone says it's like the best Christmas film, and I've just never seen it. I mean, it, it's um, it's certainly on the list. So, no, no, well, I was far, yeah, yeah, I was obviously. If you read my list, I was just trying to get like this whole swath of movies, so it wasn't yeah. just always action movies that turn into first person mm. shooters. But yeah, so slight, t- yeah, slight t- side tangent though. The best Christmas movie is Muppets Christmas Carol, and that is <sighs> the end of it. No. Because the best yes. Christmas movie is Die Hard. Oh, that's that's a cop out. That is not a cop out. Now I have a machine gun. Ho ho ho! That is <laughs> that is a classic Christmas line. It is it is seeped in Christmas from the movie through and through. It is a Christmas movie, and it is in fact the greatest Christmas movie. Uh, it may very well be the greatest achievement of American cinema. Okay, fine. Side side tangent. <laughs> The best Die Hard is Die Hard with a Vengeance because no. Samuel Jackson. Yes, Samuel Jackson's character is amazing. Oh no! Yes. No. Oh. Yes. Man, I really dislike the way they name those movies. Well, yeah, because I think in the in the states they're not they're not numbered. They are not numbered. Not. It's like Die Hard, Die Hard with a Vengeance, Live Free or Die Hard, A die Good hard. Day to Die Hard, uh, yeah, Die well, Harder. Yeah, well, I don't know. That might have been. Yeah. Whereas in this country they're just Die Hard One, Two with a Vengeance, Four Point and then a Live Free Die Hard. I think yeah. we call them in the UK as. But yeah, sorry, that's a side tangent. We'll move on. So, all um, right, so Elf. How, Elf, how yeah. Elf? So all right, so I'm thinking uh, Elf is a funny game. Yep. So I, I'm sort of thinking Elf would be more of like a Sims. So okay, like who makes the Sims? Was it Maxi Games? I don't know off the top of my head. Uh, I want to say that's that's right. I mean, I know EA does it, but I, I want to say it was check. it was Maxis. Yeah, Maxis EA. Yeah. So just... Maxis, I would have do Elf, and uh, I mean, it's like you you get your buddy Elf ready, and he has to make breakfast for everybody, and he's got to go do his job, and. I, I think I think that's the way to go. I think Elf is a, is The Sims. So yep. Elf is a is a life simulation game made by Maxis Games. Yep. Uh, Beowulf. I think the answer is incredibly obvious here. It's just The Witcher. Yeah. Three D Project Red does Beowulf. 
Yeah. Yeah. And it is yep. it is a a third person adventure game, and Definitely. I would I would play that. Definitely. Um, remind me, Galaxy Quest. Galaxy Quest was the is that uh, the one with is that the one Alan Rickman or is that Star Trek? Yeah, well, that was Alan Rickman and Tim Allen Sigourney Weaver. It was like they the the oh, whole yeah, the play one... on Star Trek, but. It was a comedy. Yeah, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah, isn't it that they're sci-fi actors and then they end up meeting real aliens right. or something? Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. So in in my in my eyes, if you were to make uh, a game based on this movie, you wouldn't really play up the actor role, as you would actually take what the show was and make a game based off of the show. And yep. for that, I would have to go with Bioware and kind of take okay, it in the no, Mass Effect I... direction. Oh no, definitely. Yeah, no, definitely. I th- I think that could work. Yeah, I I would play that game. Quite frankly, I would. Mm. Um, Pirates of the Caribbean, we've done. Yep. Uh, it is Assassin's Creed 4. Uh, and then lastly, uh, Suicide Squad. Yeah, so I, I was really going back and forth on, on Suicide Squad in, in terms of who I thought should be developing this game and, and how I thought it really should be should be rolling there. Um, mm. I, I want to say fighting game. Hmm. You know, like you pick your members of the Suicide Squad, and then you you do like the, the, this fighting rank where you can like throw Batman in there because many of them fought Batman and and the Flash. So you actually the, you you choose the bad guy, and then you got to fight like the string of good guys to yeah. to make your way all the way through. And I'm trying to think who probably I would say Namco Bandai. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Tekken folk for this one, and say mm. Namco Bandai could make it into a fighting game. Yeah. The one idea that instantly jumped into my mind uh, was an open world game made by Rockstar, mm-hmm. particularly because I envisioned, you know, in uh, GTA V, the character wheel where you switch between uh, yeah. three characters. I had a version of that, but you switching between all the different members of the oh, Suicide Squad. That'd be really cool. Yeah. Because funny enough, that's actually rumored. Some people think that's what they might do in Red Dead Redemption 2, that you're going to be able to switch between seven characters. So mm-hmm. as soon as you said Suicide Squad, I instantly thought that. Yeah. And um, not to lower the tone too much, but given how I haven't seen the film, but how it seemed to kind of somewhat overly sexualize the character of Harley Quinn, I think at some at some point the developers of Dead or Alive Extreme Beach Volleyball are probably going to find their way into that game. Yeah, well, I've I I disliked how Harley Quinn was was modeled the 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 costume design for her in that yeah. I always said from the waist up I got it. Yeah. But from the waist down, I just didn't see Harley Quinn. It just seemed mm-hmm. like they were really going for what would look good on Margot Robbie rather than what would Harley Quinn wear. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong, I think Margot Robbie is almost perfect for that role. I just don't think the role was scripted very well. Yeah, uh, it's... it. Yeah, no, I just agree with you on that one. Yeah. Okay. I, I like her quite a bit as an actress, and I think she was perfect for what was written on paper, and I don't want to see anyone else ever play Harley Quinn again. But yes. I think the costume design and the script could have really used some some care. Mm. Uh, but yeah, so there you are, John. Um, proving that A, we can name more than about three films. <laughs> and B, that yeah, you just, we're just, yeah. We can play reverse dream cast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then um, our last question, and this made me laugh because the, the way he worded it, uh, our guest from last week, Robin Bates, messaged in saying, just in case you needed a question, what surprised you most in the gaming industry, not like someone jumping out of a bush in 2016? And I'm almost tempted to kind of make that into two questions of what surprised you most in gaming and then what surprised you most generally in life, but oh. we'll see. 
Well, yeah, so what surprised you most in gaming, Greg, this year? Uh, see, now, I wanted to make a joke here about, like, well, I was playing Resident Evil 7, and this thing jumped out at me, and that surprised me quite a yeah. bit. But then I feel like that would have been kind of derivative and not funny. Yeah. But I said it Even anyway. Me, I so, would... Yeah. Equally, I was going to mention the now infamous occasion which when I burnt myself. Ooh, so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that would have been a good one. Yeah. So I guess the biggest surprise that I think came out of it, not to not to rehash on this that we've talked to death in this podcast, was just the, the massive delta between what No Man's Sky said they were going to yeah. be and what they actually were. Oh, God, yeah, definitely. Because I think that's led to a kind of re-examining of kind of the marketing of games. Uh, I think but not, uh, I, I had a slightly different one and this was funny because I was toying with this question for ages and like initially all my answers were kind of rubbish ones of like oh um, things like oh Uncharted 4 was exactly as brilliant as, as I intended and that's not very surprising but no what surprised me is something that's actually fairly recent in the fact that obviously as, as we know Nintendo was incredibly cagey about the Switch for ages like we were we were seeing manufactured leaks and and stuff but nintendo weren't telling us something and then i still think it's amazing that then out of nowhere the world woke up one morning to find that tweet with that utterly terrifying picture of mario and out of nowhere nintendo just going yeah we're announcing our console in a few hours just there you go yeah like i mean i can see that that was definitely a big surprising moment that was Mm. yeah so yeah, um, I'm just trying to think if anything else surprising in my life happened, just because I like how Robin worded that tweet, apart from me burning myself. Um, um, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I, don't lead a very, I don't lead a very exciting life. Uh, apparently not. I, yeah. I can't think if I have any, like, really good surprises, you know, like. Yeah. Well, what about the surprise of being asked to come on this podcast repeatedly? Well, that was that was a very pleasant surprise, I would have to say. It was yeah, there we are. Very very nice to get the request, and, and very happy to be able to help you out and come on board. And that was it was yeah. very nice. That was a very pleasant yeah. surprise. Yeah, it is because yeah, a little behind behind the scenes, I was like, I, I was groveling at Greg's feet, somewhat <laughs> being like, "Hey, do you want to come back on again?" Because I kind of have a position that needs filling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is why we're actually recording this a bit uh, earlier than normal. Mm-hmm. Mm. But yeah, so I hope that kind of answers the question, Robin. I know they probably weren't the most surprising uh, answers in the yeah. world. Well, I mean, the the thing with answering the question like this is the thing that surprised us is probably the things that surprised a lot of other people too. So yes. there's there's not really going to be a whole lot of new ground. There wasn't some secret hidden surprise that I had experienced in the game industry. Yes, it was you know what everyone else was experiencing. Yeah, and not to sound like an old man, but like in the age of sort of like social media and twenty four seven information, you could kind of question how much of a surprise our thing is these days. Like, when is the last time that you can remember a game being announced and which we couldn't have really have already predicted? Yeah, I like <laughs> I can't think of any time I've been surprised yeah. by any announcement in the games yeah. industry that I didn't. The only know thing was I coming. might. The only answer I might suggest is I only bring this up, but I don't understand the joke and why everyone thinks it's so hilarious, is that Knack 2 was announced at PSX, and apparently Knack 1 is some really terrible game that no one likes. And the, and the entire internet was like, what the fuck, someone's just announced Knack 2. So. Yeah, I could see that surprising some people, because it was kind of a generally terrible game, I 
I got the impression of. So, oh well. Oh, I I just realized something. This is unrelated, but I made a whole thing of this podcast is not child friendly at the beginning. And I think when I just swore then was the first time I swore in an hour and a half. It may have so been the could, first time, yeah. Well, So we could have actually sent this episode out and said, if you have young children, you can listen to this one, but I've ruined it. Yeah. And I don't want to... It's too much of a faff to bleep it out. <laughs> well, the, the thing... doing so well. The explicit rating is... a I use it as a safety net rather than the rule. Yes. Like, I don't necessarily curse an awful lot, but mm. I, I have that tag there so that if anything leaks into the podcast... I don't have to do anything about it. I got it's right yeah. there, and that way maybe yeah. you don't necessarily curse, but sometimes you can get into some adult talking materials, and you don't necessarily mm. want to have to edit yourself. So, yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, I think that basically wraps it up for this week. Just by chance, we've been going for an hour and a half. It doesn't feel like that, but we have. Um, so yeah, remember that you can uh, find the podcast on Twitter at gwbpod. You can email the podcast at gwbpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we have a Discord. You can find us on Snapchat at gwbteam35. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at another GMG blog. Uh, don't try and try me on PSN. It's broken. Uh, my blog, It still is, and I will keep saying that until mm-hmm. I fix it. Uh, my You can find my blog at nickpjenkins25.wordpress.com. Uh, Greg, where can people find you and your work? All right. I am on Twitter, so it's at JudgeGregIsLaw. And if you want to see my work and the work of those who I work with, uh, you can head to Enthusiacs.com. I am the host of the Hero Talk podcast, and we have two other sister podcasts, uh, Point Streak and Behind the Line Radio, that you can check out. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, so just search for Enthusiacs. Yep. Uh, And then one small bit of podcast news is... Hopefully, I say hopefully because these things change. Uh, Dapper should be back next week. So if you've got sick of the sound of Greg or the other guests that I've had to rope in, I think there will be a slight shift back to normal. These things could change. Yeah, we miss you, Dapper. Uh, We do. We we miss you greatly. It's been been difficult, not least because, yeah, I've had to scramble around finding people, (laughs) testing my social skills to the limit. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, uh, thank you very much, uh, listeners, for listening to the podcast. Thank you very much to Greg for joining me. Well, thank you for having me. Anytime, anytime. You are always welcome. You have an open invitation. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, and we will see you all next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>